hearts. And so I'm grateful to be here today uh, to be sharing what God's put on my heart to share. You know, I want to talk about the local church today, and I want to start by saying this. The local church is not man's idea. What we get to be a part of is not an idea that some human came up with. Friends, we are actually able today to be a part of God's passionate plan being outworked on the earth today. You know, it's, it's amazing that we get to be a part of it, but at the same time, I am hopelessly confused why God, who is perfect in every way, would choose imperfect people to outwork his perfect plan. It makes no sense. And yet from the moment the public ministry of Jesus began on the earth, that's exactly he went, how he went about doing what he is still doing today. He gathered people who would otherwise never associate with each other. You know, in a normal society, there's people in this room that you would never know the other people in this room because your lives would never intersect. You've got no natural reason to be in the same place together and yet that's what Jesus does. He gathers people without association. He points them to the Father. He gives them evidence of his undeniable power. And this is what he did in the first century with the people that were following him. Brought unlikelies together. A zealot who was fighting for the freedom of Israel. A tax collector who was working for Rome. Brought them together and made them family. They're not just disassociated people because their lives didn't intersect. They hated each other. He brings them together, points them to the Father, gives them undeniable proof of who he he is, empowers them with the Holy Spirit, and then leaves. (laughs) And says, righto, I'll be with you forever, but you'll never see me. I've got to go. Oh, wait, you will see me again when you're not here anymore and you have all the answers that you need. That's when you'll see me again. But until then, you guys will be right. I'll be back soon. And they're literally standing looking at the sky going, he said he'd be back soon. And these other blokes have to come and say, right, that bloke that you're waiting for, he is, he, he, he is coming again, but you're not going to know when. Now you must go and do what he's called you to do. He left a group of humans who had a consistent pattern of disagreement on just about every area of life to outwork his ongoing plan for the redemption of the world. It's ridiculous, Right? Like, I'm not a strategist, but I know that's not a good strategy. And yet 2,000 years later, here we are today, standing together, worshipping and singing his name. And despite the recent results of the uh, census in Australia, the church in Australia, not all churches, but the church in Australia is growing. And the church around the world is growing. And you ask, how is this possible? Tell you how it's possible. Because the growth of the church, although it feels like it is the result of human efforts, is like a kid that, you know, draws a a picture on the, you know, a a child draws you a picture and you look at the picture and the picture makes no sense. Nothing's, Nothing's right proportionally. Everything's out of shape. Everything looks like it was done by someone who didn't know what they were doing. And then the parent takes that picture and what does the parent say? Oh, this is ridiculous. This is hopeless. No, the parent takes that picture and goes, this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And they put the picture in the most prized possession place in the whole of the whole of the house, which is where the fridge door, that's right. The centerpiece of every house. 
And the parent goes, this is unbelievable, friends. That's what it's like when with us that are involved in building the church. It doesn't grow because us little people are trying to do our best effort on it. It grows because Jesus was the one who said, I will build it. Matthew chapter 16 Jesus asks, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And now in verse 18, now I say to you that you are Peter, and which means rock. And upon this rock, upon this revelation of who Jesus Christ is, he said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Friends, what Jesus intends to build, he will build. No act of the enemy can thwart I just include this sentence because I like including this word. Thwart. No effort of evil can thwart God's plan for his church. How do we know this? Well, friends, the destiny of the church, just like the destiny of our lives, are not in our own hands. Our lives are not our own. Our lives are in his hands and in his control. And he has declared that all the powers of hell will not conquer against what God intends to do in you and in this church. Here's a thought for you today. If you're taking notes, write this down. When you commit to build what God is building, he commits to building you. When you commit to build what God is building He commits to building you. You know, when I was growing up, I was the king of fads. Does anyone know what a fad is? It's not a word you hear used very often these days. A fad is something that you engage with in great intensity. The the dictionary actually says it is an intense enthusiasm for something, especially one that is short-lived. You know, throughout my life, I've been uh, so passionate about some things and I, and I find these different hobbies or different interests or whatever it might be and I go into them with full gusto. It's like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Three months later, I'm putting that instrument in the cupboard with the other ones. Yeah, everything from different sports and like, yes, I want to represent Australia in this. Three months later, I won't need those, that sporting equipment anymore. Skipping and throwing and punching, it's too hard. It's too hard. I don't want to do it anymore. Move on to the next thing. Yeah, a thousand different hobbies, a thousand different uh, fashion styles. And I just thought today, look, I'm not going to be able to bring in my, all of the things that I've you know, pursued throughout my life. But what I could do today is maybe show you some pictures of some of the different hairstyles uh, that I've had throughout my time. And, you know, just before we put those up, uh, Sally, I, I just thought the, the, I was thinking about it and going, now this is actually the reason why I don't have a tattoo. I don't have a tattoo because I know that whatever tattoo I got, it'd be three months later, I'd be like, I don't want that anymore. And apparently that's just not as easy as putting it in the cupboard with the other instruments. All right, let's have a look at some of these photos. So, this, so there, that, that is me on the left. That's the classic bowl cut. And, uh, and that was me when I was uh, 17 years old. And, uh, and I'm thinking about bringing it back. All right, let's keep going. Uh, look at that. That doesn't even look like me. But that is me. Uh, yep, let's keep going. Oh, there we go. That, that is a look that I highly endorse. Next one. Oh, look at, the, look at that 
beard is just overflowing with joy. Yep, keep going. Oh, okay, starting to grow it out a bit. Yeah, what's happening here? Oh, this is my bogan one. Stray a day, can of Red Bull. Uh, look at that. That's just, yeah, keep going. Oh, okay, that's my Kurt Cobain look. Just like look deep. Now that... That is something to marvel at. That is a thing of beauty right there. Look, my, uh, there you go. Everyone should have a chopper read look in their life at least once. Yeah, okay. I'm moving on in my life. Yeah, okay. Okay, now just pause there for one second because the next photo I just have to give some context to. The next photo I'm going to show you is going to change your world, Justin. I brought this one just for you. This, 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 you're going to see something and you're just going to think, mate, that, why did you ever leave it? Okay, uh, all right, let's show this next photo. Just a little fad time. Here we go. Oh, look at that. What's that? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's under oath. That's all of that that period of time. Yeah, yeah, totally is. Yeah, bring bring it back. Okay, so the story with that is that I was in a shopping centre one day and a, and and a bloke came up to me and said, "Oh, mate, have you ever done any hair modelling?" And I was like, "Yes, I do it all the time." No, who? Do, no one does hair modelling. It's not even a thing. Anyway, so he said, come and hair model for me tonight. So I went and I said, oh, that sounds fun. I had no idea what I was saying yes to. He was a, he, I, I had to go up and sit on a stage and there was like 50 hairdressers all around. Uh, all these women. And he cut, anyway, terrible story. And as I said to the team who were preparing the photos, there's some memories that you probably wish you could leave in the past. A fad is, yeah, we can get rid of that. Thank you. <laughs> now, I'm sure everyone in this room has something that they could point to in their lives that they were intensely enthused about, but it turned out to be short-lived. So the message that is burning in my heart for you today, church, the message that I really want to share, when Justin asked me to share about this, I thought, look, this is the thing that I know that God has put in me. If there was anything that I would say, I'm not going to say I'm a masterclass teacher of it, but I am passionate about it, is that we can be people that move on from many things in our life. We, and we should move on from many things in our life. But we must never be a people that move on from what God has committed himself to. We can move on from many things that we pick up and put down, but come on, we can never be a church that allows the mission that God has given His church to be a fad that we pursued for a period of our life, but is now no longer centerpiece to our purpose for being on this earth. You know, the obvious reason for that is because this perishing world needs the message that the church has. And friends, I want to remind you today that contrary to all all the way culture makes us feel from time to time is that you don't have bad news, you've got good news. Your message isn't that people are, are going to a Christless eternity. That's not your message. Your message is Jesus came for all mankind. That's your message. How the Holy Spirit works that into the hearts of people's lives to understand what they need to understand to make that decision is the same like it was for you because some of you did not grow up in church, in Christian homes where Jesus was known and somewhere along the line, the message of salvation came to you and it wasn't one of despair, it was one of hope. It was one of purpose, it was one of destiny and that's the good news that we have as the church. But friends, that's not the only reason why as a church we must stay focused on the mission. This year in November, I will have been employed as a pastor for 20 years. Now, 
I know, I know I look like I'm still in my 20s. You're asking, did I start in my... Okay, so I turned 40 last year. That sounds better than saying I turned 41 this year, hey? <laughs> so I was a full, I've been employed for 20, almost 20 years. And in that time, I wouldn't say I've become smart, but I would say I've picked up a few things and I've seen a few things where I've realized there is a pattern here. And one of the patterns that I've seen is that there is a direct connection between the growth of your personal faith and your application, your life's application to the mission that God has given the church on the earth. The growth, the most significant growth that I've personally witnessed in people's lives come from those who plant themselves in a local church and allow their roots to go deep into the Word of God so that the expression of that faith gets expressed externally through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of the fruits experienced, all of the fruits of the Spirit being experienced by those who don't yet know Him. Plant yourself in the church and get going on the mission that he's given us. You know, the 2,000-year history of the church gives us enough evidence to know what causes the church to grow and what causes the church to go into decline. I said God's building it, so it's always going to grow, but not every church grows. Not every Christian grows. So what is it that in our 2000, you know, when the church started in that first century, they did not know what we now know because we've got 2,000 years to look at. You know, for decades or for for so many of us, you go, okay, what's going to cause the church to go into decline? Well, many people would just naturally say, well, wouldn't it be direct opposition on the church? Well, for most of our history, our modern history, we know that the most persecuted church in the world is China. In China, that's, there's been other times when there's been spikes in other nations where horrific things have been done against Christians. But the most consistently persecuted and oppressed church in the world is in China. Do you know that all studies that are done by people who study the church all say the same thing? The fastest growing church in the world is where? China. Isn't it ridiculous that the, that the place where, the, where if you believe in God, it can cause you to be thrown in jail, or if you, you know, you're a Christian, you identify as a Christian, that can result in you being thrown in jail and having all of your assets taken. If you lead others to follow Jesus, that can result in death. That's the reality of it. Not legally, but that's what happens. And so in China, you go, well, wouldn't that cause people to, re- to, to draw back, friends? You would think so. But the, what we see over decade after decade as the fastest growing church in the world is still in the place where it's the most oppressed. You know, in Acts chapter 8, which goes back to the first century, we see a pattern that we shouldn't be surprised by what I've just said because this takes place right way back there. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. For the next part of the story of Acts, the church stays present in where? Jerusalem. Not Judea, not Samaria, not to the ends of the earth. But then Acts chapter 8 verse 1, something happens. A great wave of persecution began that day. 
What was that day? That day was the day that Stephen was taken uh, after preaching a message uh, that the, some people there didn't like. They dragged him out of the city. They threw rocks at him until he was dead. And, and, and in that moment, the Bible says, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. It was the oppression that causes the scattering. But friends, verse 4, verse 2 and 3 talk about some godly men come and get Stephen. Verse 4 says this, But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Friends, this wasn't a strategy to take the gospel forward. This was people running for their lives and, wherever, and they were willing to leave their homes to do so, but they weren't willing to leave the gospel. Wherever that oppression came, people didn't crumble and die in their faith. They just took their faith wherever God would allow them to go. They were willing to leave their homes. They weren't willing to leave the mission. You know, being forced out of Jerusalem didn't restrict the church the way their persecutors hoped it would. In fact, it only served to take the gospel to where it's never been. Friend, I wonder what kind of external crushing you're feeling today. I wonder what kind of oppression or persecution you might personally be feeling because of your faith. You can look at it as something that could cause you to draw back or you could see it as going, God, where are you going to direct this? Here's my thought to encompass all of that is this. It's not the obvious external pressures like persecution or wars or even a pandemic that cause the church to go into decline. External pressures simply cause the church to change. And whenever a church is willing to change to stay on mission, it has the opportunity to continue to grow. It's the church that refuses to change and disregards the mission that declines. So when it comes to the, you know, when, it, when, when you talk about the capital C church, you can sit there and go, oh yeah, he's talking about the church church. But what about you? What about your personal life? How does this translate to you? You know, in, in my experience of being a pastor for 20 years, I've had to walk through some horrific journeys with people. People who have lost children. People whose marriages have broken through circumstances that was no fault of their own people who whose businesses went from thriving to being bankrupt these are these are situations that change the course of people's lives illnesses that that come into people's worlds and just change everything about the way they're able to do life and I can say that in all in, in all of these situations I've seen these things come into people's world and they greatly impact people's world but at the same time for people with a mature faith, I haven't seen these things derail their faith as much as I've seen these things cause people to lean on their faith more than they ever have before. And how many times have I heard the line, I never would have got through that if not for Jesus? Have you said it yourself? Friends, it's not the external pressures of life that cause us to leave God. That's generally not how it happens. So if it's not that, what is it? Well, history shows us, again, that what causes the church to go into a state of decline almost always comes from something within. It was when the disciples jostled for position that Jesus told them 
that if that is going to be their pursuit, then whatever they're going to try and build is going to continually dismantle. It was when the church at Galatia elevated themselves and their works that, that Paul the Apostle said, you've been hoodwinked, you're foolish, you've lost the plot, and you have fallen from grace. It was when the church in Corinth took the beautiful spiritual gifts and instead of using them to build each other up, they used them to build themselves up that Paul said, you've completely lost your way. It was when the church in Laodicea became lukewarm in their faith that God said, I have to now remove you from my body and I'm going to do that in the most violent and disgusting way and that is by vomiting you out of my mouth. What is vomit? Besides ew, now I don't have a picture today, what's vomit? What's vomit? It's rhetorical but I also want you to think about it so I've said it more more times than I need to. What is vomit? Vomit is... Little science lesson. Vomit is your body telling you that there is something in us that's going to cause more destruction to us if we leave it within us. And although it's going to cause great pain, because who knows, vomiting is not a joyous experience. Although it's going to cause pain, it is going to be better for us to get this out of our system than leave it within and cause greater destruction. That's literally God saying, it pains me, but I will do all that I need to do to remove this attitude, complacency, laziness, whatever it is that is within that cannot stay so that it doesn't destroy the body. Again, I've seen this play out in individuals' lives. It's easy to talk about history and go, yeah, that was the church then, friends. I've watched people who have a what would appear to be a strong faith find themselves offended by something that took place in the church. Let me say this this morning. If you've not ever been offended in the church, just keep coming. I'll see what I can do before the end of this message. I'll try my best. I've seen this play out in people's lives. And, and you know, I, I want to say this. The justification for their, for their offense, the offense that I've experienced, that we, the justification for it is, is, it is totally justifiable if we are aligning ourselves with the kingdom of this world. Totally justifiable. Why? Because what that person said or what that person did was horrible, was unkind, was something that I, in the kingdom of this world, have every right to retaliate against or to feel the way I feel because of what they did. The kingdom of this world gives you big green ticks for feeling that way and acting out of that. Jesus says you are not of the kingdom of this world and so this is the way I'm called you to go. Friend, I'll tell you this this morning. No one who is living in in a place that offense takes them to which is bitterness that's where it leads to and then the actions that come out of bitterness friend no one wakes up in bitterness and says at the same time I've got the joy of the Lord in my heart they are incompatible friends that's the kind of thing that causes someone to move away from God not an external pressure but an internal decision to choose to go away that is not the way that God will want you to go I've seen it take place when people 
live in, and, and sometimes this happens when people are young, they get, a, they get hot in their heart for Jesus. They are pursuing him, his will, his way, his purposes, going after him, and then something new comes into the picture. A new relationship, a new business, a new opportunity, a new location, whatever it is. And now, instead of Jesus being the leading and guiding light that everything else must submit to, Jesus now becomes one of the things that submit that must now submit to this other pursuit. I've seen it take place. And that's when the drift starts to happen. I've seen people who become more concerned with their church, local church preference than the church mission. I'm going to tell you this morning, I've got some good news for you this morning, and that is, if you do not like the songs that this church plays, the good news is in heaven, your favorite song is on repeat. It's just how it, I, I, it's, I'm guaranteed that's how it is. You get, you get control of your own heavenly Spotify. When sacrifice and surrender become optional components of faith and the preacher's call or the call of the Holy Spirit for you to live in sacrifice and surrender, when that becomes feels like a breach of the personal boundaries that you've set up around your faith, well, well, that's when the drift is taking place. When serving others becomes something that the capital C church is responsible for, not what the Christian is responsible for. When my needs and my desires determine what I do with the resources I have instead of using all that I have to build the kingdom that I have given my life to. When my decision-making is what, based on what I determine, what is best for my life, instead of aligning myself with the purpose that Jesus has given me, friend, aren't you're glad you came to church today. I'll, I'll say this to you. This is, uh, I shared some thoughts out of this message the other week and someone came up to me and said, I heard a great line this week. I want to share it with you. It's this, if you're comfortable with everything God is saying to you, then you've probably made yourself God. These things that I've just covered this morning, they're the things that fall into the category of what causes people to drift. Very, I've, I've hardly never seen it. I've got, I've got no recollection of someone just waking up one day and saying, I'm not following Jesus anymore, instead of just watch people drift. And this one I want to say about when we drift. When we drift, there is always something waiting to fill your heart with passion where God once used to be. The power of staying on the mission that God has given his church is inherently entied with what keeps your faith growing. When we build what God is committed to building, he commits to building us. And when we put in ourselves in a position where the mission that God has given the church on this earth becomes our personal mission, then we lean on Jesus more than we ever have before. And when you lean on Jesus more than you ever have before is when you see Jesus more than you ever have before. Josh, you might come and help me with some keys behind. I just got a scripture and then a, a story before I, uh, before I close. And, and one of my favorite scriptures from uh, the New Testament comes from Acts 24. And this is Acts, sorry, Acts 20, verse 24. And this is when Paul is talking to the church and he's saying, you know, the reality of going to Rome means 
I know what it means. It means that death is going to be the result, right? So he's not unaware of his scenario. He says, he actually says this. He says, everywhere I go, I get told imprisonment and death is what awaits me. And yet, he says, and yet I can't not go where the Holy Spirit is compelling me to go. He says, my life, listen to this line, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. Friend, the work that's assigned to Paul may not be the exact work that is assigned to you, but there is a work that's assigned to you. And if you discover the work that is assigned to you, and you can say, my life is worth nothing unless, then friend, you put yourself in a position where God is going to build what you're committing to build. Paul says, my revelation is I got the thing that I've got to do on this earth, I've got to finish the work of telling the others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And in a way, that's going to encompass all our purposes in some way in outworking that. Now, I've got a friend that is a part of our church there, and some of you guys uh, may know him. His name's Adrian Penny. Adrian Penny, 40 years old. So in the middle of his life, around that stage, his career right on track. He is the religious education teacher at a faith-based school. He is loved and respected in that school, which is not always the case when you're a religious education teacher. Well, he's loved and respected and, and so valued in that school. In fact, Penny says he was working in his dream job. And then, seemingly out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit nudges him. And, and he gets a word that his season is coming to an end in this position. And the, the great thing that I would love to, you know, help God understand is that when he speaks to humans and says, your season here is finishing, what is really helpful, just some feedback, Lord, is then you say, yeah, this season's finishing and this is what the next season is. I just, just, okay, God, I get this bit. The feedback is if you just give me this bit. There's no pattern of that, though, is there? Abraham, I'm calling you out. You're going to be the father of nations. It's time to leave your home, everything you know, and you're going to step out and go to where I'm going to show you. Where are you going to show me? I'm not telling. Good luck with that. See, humans, we live in it. We are, we are des like it's in our makeup to live in a place of security, but God does not live in your security. Current resources, past experiences, if that's what you're living in, God's not there. Oh, I, I know God's there, but that's not where God wants to be. You know what? Here's, here's, here's a thought. Genesis chapter 1, it goes all the way back to the beginning. The world was formless and with, without void, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. The Holy Spirit hovers on the edge of where he's never been. The Holy Spirit does not want to be where he's known. He wants to be where he's never been. And if the Holy Spirit is leading you, you will not be comfortable because you will too be on the edge of where you've never been. And then God said, let there be light. When does light come for the Christian? Light comes for the Christian after they've stepped into the darkness. Good stuff. So Penny gets this nudge. 
He says the season's finishing, and so he he goes through school and he resigns. Uh, he, he prays with Liz, his wife, and I, I, I want to mention her in this story because this is a team thing, and and it's a big decision because he's in the middle of his career. It's not like if he goes and starts another career now, it's like, mate, you're never gonna you're never gonna achieve the things that you could achieve if you stay here. Everything about uh, about the situation said stay, but they leave. And now this is where the story, I think, gets absolutely crazy. He finishes his role. However, whatever the time frame is when he decides, he resigns. Whatever the time frame is, he finishes his role. On the first day where he's not employed, okay, so he hasn't gone to another job because God hasn't given him any leading any other way. He's just not employed now. But on the very first day that he's not employed, he gets a phone call from a guy in the music industry, the country music industry. You might know him. Steve Grace is his name. Anyway, Steve Grace knows Adrian Penny from way back. So he calls him and he says, Penny, I've had you on my mind all week. What's going on? And so Adrian says, well, here's my story. And he tells him, he tells him his story. Steve Grace had no idea about this portion that was going on in Penny's world. He says, he says I, I gotta, he says, tell me this. What is your dream? What, what do you believe God's put in, in your life? He says, you know what I want to do, and I've always wanted to do this, and in some way I've always pursued it. He says, I want to convey the gospel to children through music and media. That's what I want to do. He's, could, he could articulate it. And so Steve Grace says, I've got a number that you need to call. He gives him the number of a bloke named John Cross. John Cross and Adrian Penny have never heard of each other ever before. But in the moment that Steve Grace hands over the, the phone number of John Cross and they connect, it's found out that John Cross is right at that moment working on a series of episodes that can be played in state primary schools as scripture lessons using music and media to convey the gospel to children. John Cross has got the resource, but he doesn't have the talent. Adrian Penny's got the talent, but he doesn't have the resource. And God brings these two men together and Adrian Penny literally goes from a man who is sharing the gospel with a hundred or hundreds of children to being a man who is going to is producing content that is going to go before hundreds of thousands of children. <laughs> Network television in America has reached out for some of his con content. There's been connections from South India. Now, North India, it, 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 the gospel, you know, is really hard to get there, but South India is full. There is 1,500 Christian schools in Mumbai, in South India. There is 1,500 Christian schools in one city. 1,500 Christian schools. All of those Christian schools have an average of one, actually, not 1,500, 5,000, sorry. 5,000 Christian schools in one city, all of them have an average of 1,000 students. They're reaching out and saying, we want this content. I can't even do the math. What's the math? What's 1,000 times 5,000? That's a big number, isn't it? Is that like 500,000? I don't know. <laughs> 5 million. Thank you, Serge. 5 million. Friends, I want to ask you today, what's your nudge? Two things. What compels you and what's nudging you? Because the Holy Spirit's always going to nudge us towards the edge of what we know and where we're comfortable. 
But friends, following that is where you move out of producing what your life can produce because of the resources and the experience you have to producing what only someone else can produce in your life. When you commit to building God's kingdom, he commits to building you. Friends, I'm telling you, the word of God makes this so clear to us. If we want to be a local church that continues to see God grow us, and I'm not talking about numerical growth. I don't think that's something that you know is the pursuit of the heart of your pastors anyway. It's certainly not the pursuit that I've seen in and through them. They just want to see people do all that God has put on their lives to do. And that's what this word is about today. If, if this local church is going to grow, if the local church that, that I get to pastor, if the church in Coffs Harbor is going to grow, it's going to happen because faith people get a fresh revelation that I am on the earth to build what God is building but as I commit to building it he commits to building me what compels you and where is the Holy Spirit leading you let me pray the rest of the team can come Heavenly Father I want to thank you for your word to us this morning your word brings life in an abundant way your word meets us where we are at but your word never leaves us where we are at and Lord we didn't come to church we didn't come to this service this morning to be the same as we were as we depart today so God we ask that in each one of our lives my life the from the youngest to the oldest in this room from the, those that are exploring faith to those that have uh, lived with you for as many days as they can remember. Lord, there is, there is uh, your Holy Spirit weaves its way into the heart of every single one of us. And God, so I ask today, what is it? What is it that needs to be removed? Would you bring that to people's minds right now? What are the things that are causing a potential drift? Lord, we don't want to live in Coffs Harbour because we like the lifestyle it provides. God, we don't want to do that. I'm grateful for it. Lord, very grateful. But God, we want our lives to be lived with the purpose that you've given us more than the location that you've given us. So Lord, reveal to us today, what are some of the things that need to be removed? And God, would you, would you nudge us today? Holy Spirit, would you give us all a little, a little nudge, a compelling, I'm compelled to go and nudge in my spirit, whatever it might be that is moving us just a little bit out of our comfort zones. Because more and more, day by day, Lord, we don't just want to be people that go through the motions of faith. We want to be people who are living out our faith in a very personal and a very real way. And so we give our lives to you again today. We put our lives in your hands. And Jesus, we ask that you would be our lead and our guide. And that as we grow, as we work to grow the thing that you are the most passionate about growing, we are grateful that you are passionate about growing us. And so, Lord, may you continue to shine your light through your church across this earth until the day that you return. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.